Follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. I just received a message from a follower on Instagram who said that when she used to dance, girls were always spraying hairspray on their thighs and pussy to, quote, keep from sweating, question mark. I've never heard of that one. That sounds like a really bad thing to spray on your pussy. Well, I know that if you put, um, okay, so deodorant, you know the deodorant trick, right, for ingrown hairs? Mm, I've heard of that, but what does that mean? Okay, so... If you're shaving your bikini line and people are always like, why don't you have ingrown hairs everywhere? And it's because you use stick deodorant right afterwards, like when you get out of the shower. And that keeps the hair follicles from getting clogged. Oh, interesting. For some reason. That's an old stripper trick. Huh. Keeps the hair follicles from getting clogged. But aren't you clogging them? I don't know why. It just works. Interesting. I've never tried that one. Um... I have definitely seen women use Sharpie to cover their chipped black nail polish. (laughs) Um, Oh, you can do that with your shoes, too. Yeah, you can color in your black shoes or your boots if you have them as such. I was using a bleach wipe to clean my sneakers because I dance in Converse. And uh, it's I just like kind of drag my feet all over the place like a baby gorilla so not really but like my shoes get beat up really bad and there's drag like filth on like specific spots so I was like actually wiping them off like cleaning them and it took as they call it elbow grease quite a bit of effort elbow grease (laughs) to get them clean and I chuckled to myself because I thought wow I'm like a grown-up cleaning my fucking shoes instead of just buying new ones which a lot is something some people just do when you have expendable income is like, I'm going to buy new sneakers because these ones are dirty. And that's a waste of money. Um, are you one of those people that um, that organizes your, like has a super organized stripper bag no. with like everything in Ziploc bag, <laughs> like costumes all like in Ziploc bags? Have you seen those people? Yeah. I I'm think jealous. That's, that's fabulous. I I don't do that. I have never been one to be that organized. My mother can attest. Um yeah, what do I have in my stripper bag right now? I have like probably some like empty joint tubes and some ash in them and some half-eaten like organic granola bars and a bunch of rubber bands and there's some ones in there. <laughs> and I don't buy expensive lingerie because it's just going to get destroyed. I'm really finicky about some things but not my stripper bag apparently I need to go through it I have better mental health when I have an organized space but it's just like the thing that just keeps getting like put off mine too mine half the time like sits in the back of my car and and just in between shifts until I'm like oh my god everything is dirty and disgusting and I only can wear my least favorite outfit outfit for this shift so now I have to drag this shit in and Mm. wash it Mm -hmm. which sucks i remember a dancer stripper i knew said that she after shift would wash her thongs her little bikinis in the shower with her like she's like oh you just hand wash them while you're in there and just hang them up and they dry overnight she's like it saves soap and water and you just get it done i'm like oh my god that's a nice theory that i know (laughs) that only works if you don't have like a bunch of intricate you know, like, I don't want to grab all... I can't bring all my sweaters and my t-shirts in there because that's what I dance in. But if I had itty-bitty gear, sure. Um, super glue. for Oh, for just everything? Just everything. <laughs> for, like, the bottom of shoes and stuff? Yeah, my shoes falling apart. Or sometimes you can fix, like, a strap that way. But that's where oh. a sewing kit comes in. Usually you Safety can't. Safety pins. Safety pins. Too. I've had safety pins like open and stab me while I was on stage. 
I'm just like imagining like getting poked in the tit with one of those (sighs) and all the Mountain Dew flying out. What? Oh, I'm convinced that that's (laughs) what mine are filled with. Like whatever was in the break room fridge at the in the nurse's lounge at the surgery center you have a good boob job though i know i know but i'm just like i just joke about it though that i'm like okay well we got we got half a bottle of half and half and some mountain dew code red i think we got like code red 500 cc's worth let's do it let's do this (laughs) Uh, mini mouthwash i have a little mouthwash thing oh that's a good idea that is a really especially if you smoke cigarettes or anything else in between because like ew i know what it's like to have customers that have just smoked and their mouth are all yucky like i don't want to be that girl i've i'm sure i've been like weed girl before Actually, I left my perfume at home. And that's the thing. I was going to ask you. I was like, oh, you leave your stripper bag in the car? That's really shitty. That's dangerous. What if you get your window smashed? Um, That's happened. And you lose all well, your shit. Yeah. So, well, someone stole my car. And yeah, all my favorite <laughs> stripper shit went away. But now I just don't care. I don't know. I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> you have to like, like keep it. it's like the lowest your- priority. Where I do splurge, like, so I am. I really have a thing for perfume. I just love perfume um i really do the weirder the better um i like a lot of men's cologne but i don't wear that at work i try to stick to really conventional smells but i will not wear cheap perfume Mm -hmm. i won't use those like victoria's secret body sprays or any of that stuff like i only wear really really nice perfume Usually, like, Coco Chanel is, like, I just, I don't know. I've never. I, That's, mm. like, my treat to myself because I feel, like, expensive. Mm, you know? Okay. Like, it makes me feel, like, and I feel like also it, like, sets me apart a bit from, like, the girls that smell, like, Victoria's cotton Secret. candy or mm-hmm. love spell, mm-hmm. you know, or and coconut. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's so great that you say that because my stripper spray is made by a lady named Rhonda from Vancouver and it smells like waffles. <laughs> Oh, you know who else likes the waffle stuff? Toxic was a big. Yeah, we have the same spray. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's and actually and it's really how I know like how I know her, you know, like, for well, or Mm -hmm. just because it's like part of her thing. And that's how I feel like heavy, stinky kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. fancy old old lady perfume perfume is me. Yeah, I worked with um, this this chick uh, Thursday for many, many years and she also for many many years wore exclusively wore uh narciso rodriguez for her and it has a very heavy distinctive smell and she was in this play that i went to go see and part of in this play is uh there were uh, ghosts running around in the audience like scooching people you know it was like part of the kooky act or whatever and i knew when she was coming up behind me to do it because i could smell her and i just knew that smell anyway anywhere and i was like oh Thursday's about to, That's you know, funny. pop out. That's funny. Um, I, well, the backup spray, Rhonda made a backup spray. Well, she made a spray for someone and it was coconut, but it kind of just smells like sunscreen. So mm. it's living in the dressing room right now. And when I forgot my perfume, when I forgot my waffle smell on Friday last, <laughs> I was like, oh God, I'm not going to make any money because I don't smell like the way that everybody expects me to and they say it smells so relaxing and like what is that and like it's my thing and I did great I did better than I had for my consecutive shifts I mean because everyone loves the smell of suntan it's one of those no I didn't things. I didn't use it oh you didn't I use didn't it? use it it smells like sun it smells like sunscreen so I didn't use it. but it was like haunting me I'm like do I no so I just smelled like me I guess but maybe that maybe that did better yeah, maybe I should nix too. the waffle spray um, um, I love the smell of suntan lotion. I can't do it. I can't myself, do it. But I l- really admire it on other people. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, what else do we keep in our bag? Oh, God. Get some freaking... Okay, if you have like light brown to blonde hair, you should have some baby powder as dry shampoo. Like some kind of talc. Because dry shampoo is fucking expensive. And you can just dump that shit into your hair the way you would with anything else and then just shake it out. Also... Um, baby powder is a really good cheap um, deodorant I'll pat that in my armpit sometimes or if you're talking about chafing on your inner thighs that Um, I've never had a customer complain I've only had people say oh you smell like baby powder it smells really nice 
And I'm like, weird, but okay, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> oh, you know, another thing that you'll find and just in, you know, any stripper's bag around here is that like that foot lotion stuff. So oh you stick God. to the pole. Yeah, that's some, can you explain that? That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's at least I know. Well, cause they make, okay. So they make pole grip. That's like the tennis grip, right? It's for uh, getting rid of hand sweat. So you can grip the pole better. Um, yeah, there's various And brands. then there's like ITAC and, and all that. But that shit's pretty expensive for what it is. So Sally Hansen sells this like peppermint foot lotion. It's a sloughing lotion for dead skin. But I guess it also makes you grip the pole really well like <laughs> velcro it's almost a little too grippy like if you don't yeah sometimes like on a busy night like it'll really build up on there and you gotta try to get that off because it's sometimes sticking can be as date when you're not expecting to can it'll, be as dangerous as sliding when you're not expecting oh to, well you'll you rip know? your skin if you're trying to or like you'll twirl jer- down or yeah. you'll jerk yourself and pull your shoulder out or something, <sighs> something. but yeah you um, know let me just say I've never purchased or applied that stuff, but the fact that three, the fact that 50% of my stripper um, lineup was using it regularly, I would often be scraping it off <laughs> or I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to wipe the pole at all because I am good to go. <laughs> it looks kind of like yeah, uh, you can see it cloudy though. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, I would still rather deal with that than lotion. They really... <sighs> pisses me off people that wear it like so if don't wear lotion in the club even if you don't do pole work girls will be like i don't do pole work it's fine yeah um it's still it will still transfer and you can't yeah it will it can kill somebody or seriously injure them and it's just not okay we're talking about the pole being slippery from lotion yeah, yeah don't, don't do it don't wear lotion don't wear baby oil I know dancers that have like, oh, I fell and popped out a rib or dislocated because literally someone, yeah, like serious injuries. <laughs> that goes on uh, the same with like hair oil too. <sighs> yeah. So. Um, what else can you keep? Oh, bring earplugs. And this way, we talked about this, put them in and then you don't have to talk to anybody in the dressing room if you don't want to. <laughs> there you go. But You're listening to music. But it's also good to have earplugs. So recently... I went to a very, very, very loud concert, and it was so loud that even with earplugs in, I had to leave at about half an hour, and because it was so loud, I was getting nauseated. I just, it was horrible, and I got terrible tinnitus for like the next two weeks. Um, And I thought it was tinnitus, and you said the doctor clarified. The doctor doctor corrected me, because that's what I thought too. Um, but my ears were ringing so loudly at points during the next week or two that it was really difficult for me to understand speech. And like, I still have it now. Right now I can hear ringing in my right ear, but it's, it, mm. it's at an ignorable kind of level. Anyway, I went to the doctor and we were talking a lot about cumulative hearing damage. And she's like, yeah, one like really loud event can definitely push you over the edge, but you can also have a lifetime of accumulated damage, right? Because your hearing doesn't really heal up. And she said that people that work in the service industry and work in loud bars and clubs get sustained hearing damage over time. So I have started also wearing earplugs when I dance on stage because I just never realized how loud everything is. Damn. Loud as fuck. It's loud as fuck in there at night. I'm thinking about experimenting with that because... Yeah, I've started to feel, I've always prided myself on having a good sense of smell mm-hmm. um, and hearing. Um, and my sight's pretty excellent too. So that's, you know, not going to last forever. But just recently in the last, I think, week, I was like, do my ears feel like there's kind of like a little blanket over them? Hmm. You know? Um, well, definitely, you know, you can get uh, nice earplugs fitted to you that will just dampen the highest frequencies and will still allow allow hmm. you to understand speech and, and hear things. What was, <laughs> oh, a master lock. Lock your shit up. If you're like a new stripper and you don't know, you should always lock mm. your shit up when you're going around to different clubs because you don't know how nice or mean those girls are going to be. Right. And you s- don't know who's got a drug habit mm-hmm. and sees it. Or is just mark. a thief. Oh, and have baby wipes. Do people still not know is if there's any dancer out there that doesn't know to bring baby wipes with you? Wipe your shit. 
I don't actually bring them because we are lucky enough to have our own bathroom in our club. So I will wash my ass in the sink. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I'm serious. We've talked about this. But I'll just kind of like do a little soapy like hand wash to like anus area. And I've probably showered like right before I came anyway. But in between, yeah, I'll just do soap and water, like wash my butt in the sink briefly because I don't want to. I'll get a yeasty if I use wipes regularly, like on my pussy. Oh, really? I'm like all the time. I just like go through those things like candy. (laughs) Delicious. (laughs) (laughs) That would really irritate my puss puss. (laughs) My poussois, my cunt, my vulva, my vagina. Um, We were sharing stories. So my child is now old enough to understand every single thing I say basically Mm. like she understands when B and I are talking politics because she'll be like oh you guys I don't like like because it stresses her out Um, but a co-worker and I had recently shared stories of um, I (laughs) I asked her if she'd okay she had told me a story about when she had pulled her tampon out from inside of her and thrown it at her boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) because they were arguing as as one does. So uh, she was saying, she's like, yeah, no, it was really unhealthy. But so she did that. And I was talking about the time I went to a party and a guy was rude to me. And so I, as I was leaving the party, I put my tampon on the windshield wiper of his truck, knowing that he would find it. And I like heard him find it. He was screaming like as I was safely away. Oh my God, because periods are so disgusting. Well, I mean, dude, he doesn't know if I have any bloodborne pathogens. I mean, that's true. (laughs) It's a major fuck you. Well, yeah, for sure. But I, so I'm telling B these stories of, I was like, oh, so-and-so and I at work, were telling these stories to each other. And, you know, I experiment with my child's boundaries because she'll tell me what she's comfortable with. And she says, mommy, I don't think this is a good conversation to be having over dinner. And also you shouldn't throw your tampon at a boy. <laughs> oh, and I was like, or anyone, you're right. I'll stop. You're absolutely right. And I just forget about the things that I talk about over meals because it's normal to me. Right. No, and, I'm, and him. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like I'm not, re- it's really hard to gross me out so much that I can't eat anything. You can upset me and I won't eat anything, but gross, I mean, I'm okay. Really? I'm okay with talking about it. Now, not smelling it. What's the thing that makes you gag? Oh, um, puking. Oh, yeah. Oh, and once, I'll tell you what made me gag. Once, um, my friends, just to fuck with me, this is back in London. This is way back in the day when the internet was newish. They printed out this photo of this woman eating a shit out of, <laughs> coming out of someone's ass like it was still in their ass and she was smiling and taking a big <laughs> bite out of it and that really really fucked me up <laughs> i was like that's really gross oh god thinking about it makes me i can't and you just pass that, that on to a bunch of people yeah thanks i want you to think about that you're trying now. to transfer the bad demon right <laughs> um but i could still like probably eat a meal <laughs> maybe not like a meatloaf or anything <laughs> maybe a nice crisp salad you know uh, yeah it, it doesn't look like a turd um so we want to hear from you strippers slash sex workers have you heard of the term a hoe bath like a quick bath in the tub in between it's in between dates or in between clients yeah it's just literally that like taking a quick wash in between like the next uh, clients so I want to hear more I want to hear more of what you do to keep clean or to keep fresh or keep high I don't know hydrated it's hard to stuff water bottles in uh, stripper lockers sometimes because then I leave it for too long and I'm like Ugh. okay so we want to hear from you guys write pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com attention service and sex industry workers Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. class times. Seeking Space is rooted in empathy, and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe, inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat. Need a little motivation? They are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. 
Passion by Kate is an award-winning resource for women and couples who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Passion by Kate's affirming writing, workshops, and one-on-one counseling help you create a new level of openness and intimacy with your partner without feeling awkward, twisting yourself into a pretzel, or spending hours a day on intimacy-building activities. Learn more and find hashtag freedom and pleasure at Passion by Kate. That's K-A-I-T dot com. Mention this podcast to receive a complimentary 30-minute counseling session when you purchase any Passion by Kate product or service. If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flare have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flare is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. Mm-hmm. Let's do Bad Bitches in History. So, have you heard this story, Jen? Oh, no. I don't know anything about this. Okay. Tutor me. Okay. Here's some old Portland lore. So, in 1882, when the main part of our story takes place... Portland, Oregon was divided into three cities. There was Portland, East Portland, and Albina. Nancy Boggs was a brothel keeper who floated her 3,200-square-foot barge up and down the Willamette River when the tide allowed for it, which allowed her to skirt the three city governments and the three separate police forces and the three separate types of liquor laws in each location. She's been named as a entrepreneur by some historians and was known for moving her floating brothel dozens of miles between the north neighborhood of what is now Linton, Oregon, and the south part uh, near Oregon City, collecting customers and regulars from these locales. So because there were three city governments and three police forces, there were three different ways that she was supposed to be paying taxes, too. Hmm. So the river that's between Portland West and East didn't uh, have any bridges yet at that time. Portland police has a long history with being on the take from organized crime, which included the prostitution and gambling venues that often wanted to avoid the heavy taxes placed upon them by the city. So because she wanted to avoid being triple taxed, she fought off what was perhaps a coordinated sting from two or more Portland cities. She blasted scalding water and steam <laughs> yes. from the top of her barge <laughs> at the police. It is said that furious and angry screams could be heard across the river as the steam rose into the cold spring air. So the police retreated. Uh, in one book, I have a book I re- recommend people checking it out, Weird Oregon. It's part of a series. Uh one of the police is quoted as saying, she had a hose. What could we do? (laughs) 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 So the police retreated, but later that night, someone cut Nancy Boggs' anchor line, which put her and all of the working girls at risk for floating out into the Pacific River and to their deaths. And when she couldn't wake the only passed out customer still on the barge to help, she allegedly got in a rowboat and headed for help on the east side. She found help in Albina neighborhood, what is now north and northeast Portland, and a captain and his crew were able to catch up with her wayward full-service barge. I bet they had some fun on the house. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? (laughs) (laughs) One of the main historians that I sourced this from uh, web pages, they made a comment also (laughs) where they're like, we don't know how they repaid them. It's like, oh, you just, you just had to. (laughs) But it's, yeah. I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, so they all were like, let's fucking party. You saved us. Or right. What? Do we charge you half? Um, <laughs> you saved our lives. Let me show you my appreciation. 50% off. Shortly after this, it is said that Nancy set up a fixed location on land and began paying taxes. This is in North Portland, Albina, in order to avoid more onslaughts from the city and police. 
It is said that her former floating house has found a home as a North Portland bed and breakfast spot. Do Uh, we know the location of this spot or what the name of it is? There's one alleged, but I don't want to name it. Okay, tell me when when we're done recording because I want to go to it. Yeah, and you can look it up. Nothing more has been said about Nancy Boggs and her 1880s struggle against the man, but I like to think that she lived happily ever after. Definitely check out the book Weird Oregon for more little tidbits about unknown Portland history and hotspots, because that's where I first heard of this. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, fuck the man. <laughs> fuck the man. Uh, so we have some listener questions. My question is sort of poly-related and sort of related to sex drive. My live-in partner and I are poly and have been for a couple of years, including before our current relationship. I have historically been a very sexual person. I am also the type of person who crushes hard and sometimes irrationally, and I fall for people very easily. Some context. Everyone I have ever dated, I've hooked up with and had sex with before asking them to date, not on purpose. It's just turned out that way for my last four relationships. Okay, so recently I decided to try my hand at online dating. I matched with a really cute person and they messaged me. We flirted a bit, hit it off. They are vegan, feminist, and genderqueer, so we have a lot in common and I really like them. I also think they're hot. (laughs) That helps. That helps. (laughs) On our second date, we saw a gig, kissed quite a lot, and I ended up going home with them and we fell asleep spooning. But here's the issue. Normally I would have woken up feeling really horny, but I felt kind of ambivalent, which sucked. I've seen them twice since then for long coffee dates where we have had excellent chats and kissed goodbye, but it just hasn't felt electric or made me feel all strung out and crazy like I normally do when I crush. Living partner thinks this is a good thing because they get a bit frustrated by the normal rush of new relationship energy I get with the new partner, but I am feeling a bit down and stressed. There's no doubt that I like this new person in my life, but I'm not sure I want to sleep with them even though I could and even though they want to. I want I want to want to, if that makes sense. Live-in partner and I are not having much physical stuff at the moment, so some casual sex would be great, and new love interest person is also kinky, which I am too. I don't know what to do. Should I try being sexual with them and see if my libido kicks in, or should I just accept that the chemistry isn't there? Could it be because I have always had sex, usually drunk sex, with my partners before dating them, and maybe I'm second-guessing myself because I'm not used to sober dates prior to a first sexual encounter with a partner. Wow, that sounds so dysfunctional. Anyway, hope you have some ideas. <sighs> you might just not be attracted to them. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Like, maybe this is, person's going to end up being a great friend. And maybe a bit of a titillating friend, but just a friend nevertheless, you the, know? The thing I hear in this question is, should I try to force this or not? Yeah. Nah. I mean, we've all been there. We've all dated somebody that it's like, wow, this is so great on paper and this person is awesome and I should Mm -hmm. be wanting to fuck this person. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with them. They're Mm -hmm. hot and you just don't want to fuck them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that way about a couple of my closest friends Mm. where I'm like, man, it's too bad I don't want to fuck this person because we have so much in common. Right? (laughs) And and, uh, yeah. That's happened to me. That's happened to me lots of times. Good for Actually. you on uh, Has It? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. I remember dating this guy this is like years ago that a friend set me up with because I had seen his Facebook photo and was like, wow, who's that really hot friend you have? And he was really hot. And we liked all the same thing. You know, we were both into metal and punk and shit at the time. And um, he was really cool and really funny and really sweet. And I just... <laughs> I just didn't want to see his dick, you know? I just didn't want to do it. It's okay. I Yeah, I actually forced myself into those a couple of times because I was like, also where I was at, I was poly at the time, and I thought, well, this is what I'm doing right now. I just want to experiment and have lots of sex. And, like, I did have some sex with people that the same like similar i was like oh they're attractive like they have good hygiene like i like their beliefs and values and all this shit whatever and i'm comfortable and i feel safe but just no fire yeah so and i like i had a i had a couple of sexual experiences with one person and like this person looks like they could have been 
carved out of marble. Like we actually broke the bed. <laughs> like the bed, like one of the boards snapped and it just ended it right there. But it was okay. Cause I was like, uh, oh, this was like fun, but I wasn't going to come. That's for dang sure. Um, good for you listener on not just doing the drunk hookup thing. Cause that can be risky and that can be unhealthy right depending on the person and that's a little bit of a warning sign for me too like do you have to get drunk to hook up with somebody mm. I, with a lot of people you know I, I was sober for a while mm-hmm. um and that was a really big thing for me after being sober when I had never never been sober before is that I realized I didn't know how to initiate sex or even have sex if I wasn't on something mm. you know that's important yeah, so it might just be a relearning and it's totally okay that cuz it seems like this person might be comfortable with this pace of things as well mm-hmm. and you could actually even talk to them say I've never actually gotten to know someone in this order of events. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of want to let you know where I'm at and I don't know if I want to have sex right now. What do you think? I don't know, it depends on your relationship. Yeah, and you're not obligated to have sex with this person. You don't owe sex yeah. to them. And it know? sounds like they already yeah. probably know that. This, Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to like project too much, but good for you on redoing how you build your relationships in a more healthy way. Um, and I think a lot of it here, it just sounds like you might want to force things. I mean, maybe you could, maybe you could have awkward sex and break the bed and still be cool with them. Like I did. <laughs> I hope they never hear this. Cause they'll be like, wait, you weren't that into me. Well, they knew I wasn't that into them. Never mind. They know that <laughs> it's okay. They took it really well. Just, you know, can't force a thing. No, you can't. No, you can't. So our next question, this came to me from someone on Facebook. And I actually went to my Instagram to source responses from folks and I got the okay to share it in the written piece and I'm going to share it in the show also because all these people who responded, um, there's a, they were very eager to share this and I told them going in that I was going to share it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like consent has been well given in all ways. Um, and it was also kind of cool because in talking with people after they gave their response and I thanked them and asked if I could share it, they would share, they would say yes and then share more and be like, wow, I really realized a lot. Thanks for asking. Oh, wow. It. So we'll go through these. These are really fun. The question is, why do some people call their partner daddy? Why is that a thing? Yes, please fucking explain that to Jen because I missed out on the whole daddy thing. Like I don't, I don't understand. Like I just don't know what it is. So mm-hmm. you never participated. No, I've never, I don't know. I mean, I had a a really good relationship with my dad. And I don't think that this is related to that at all. But it just sounds kind of weird for me to think of calling somebody. Oh, yeah. Daddy. I struggled with it at first because, and I've only used the term daddy with two of my most recent male partners. And before that, never, ever, ever. And I would like shudder at it because I, yeah, made the same association with my dad. Right. Um, Okay. But we'll go through these. So these are responses from our people surveyed. My parents are extremely religious and very negative about sex and my sexuality. Calling a partner daddy kind of feels like a fuck you to the residual feelings of shame that my parents instilled in me. Hmm. It's also kind of fun because of the power dynamic that I experienced as a kid with my parents in charge. Now that I'm grown, it's kind of fun to play with words like that when I'm being submissive in sexual situations. Okay. I call my girlfriend daddy because it turns her on. It's a huge turn on for me to please someone intensely or in ways they haven't been pleased before. Um, These are from people of various genders and ages. I call my partner daddy. We have a very healthy sex life, and this is the first partner I've ever had where I enjoy our intimacy wholeheartedly And I believe it's because of his dominance and my willingness for it. Calling him daddy only happens during sexual activities or if I'm being a little brat and want to get a rise out of him. (laughs) For me, calling someone daddy is less about them being an actual dad. They can be male or female. It's about the power dynamic exchange and the ownership of a caring, compassionate dominant. 
Being a little girl is the ultimate release for me because it takes me back to a time when pressures of life didn't exist. I actually, here's a different one. I actually love calling my girlfriend mommy when we fuck and play. I am currently working through sexual trauma and calling her mommy and allowing her to top me has helped my brain make the connection that sex and dominance can come from a loving, nurturing, and caring place. It has been a fun and kinky way to add an extra level of care in our sex life. So trigger warning. This next one gets dark. Okay. I call my husband daddy because I don't have any dad whatsoever. And any other man in my life has been a sexual predator. My mom married a sex offender. So it's the first time in my life that I've been able to associate that word with love, trust, and protection. Damn. Next one. I call him daddy because he takes care of me, supports me, nurtures me on many levels, and I'm lucky enough not to be working right now so that he takes care of me that way also, financially. Oh, cool. I know, right? I need that kind of daddy. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> Shit, I'll, That's exactly. That's the daddy I want in my life. <laughs> right, would you call, would you have that relationship for I would that? call him whatever the fuck he wanted <laughs> if he paid all my bills right now. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I call my partner daddy because my real birth father is in the local kink community. He heads a board and teaches classes about consent and polyamory and goes by sir or master in his dynamic with his wife. I never actually called my dad daddy as a child. So when my partner and I initially discussed nicknames, that one felt the least weird to me. Um, Okay. Let's see. A constant one here was... I use daddy when they take on the role of providing for me in some way. It gives them a spot of importance in my life. Or I use it sarcastically when someone is trying to control me. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that, okay, like that really clarifies it right there. Because that seems like there's like a nuance to that Mm -hmm. that was missing for me. Okay. Yeah. The provider thing comes up a lot. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. And then this one also... My boyfriend and I were having a threesome and the other woman started calling him daddy. It was one of her kinks. And later when we were reminiscing, he told me how much he likes it. Previous partners have used it too. It turns him on and makes him feel good. So now I call him daddy in bed sometimes. It feels like a way to let him feel dominant in the bedroom besides calling him by his name only. So that's yeah. also another really good tool. Like if you need if you feel that your partner is wanting to feel acknowledged or like seen or recognized or validated calling them daddy will do that there you go (laughs) all right here's a question can an older woman call can an older partner call a younger partner daddy oh my god i yeah b is three years younger than me oh i didn't know that oh he's three and a half years younger than me oh oh yeah okay I, i call him daddy when he's acting like Again, when he's acting like, a like boss, daddy, yeah. basically, okay. Yeah. When he's giving me something or taking care of me in some way that it's either it's either like lovingly and kind of jokingly, like he's like, "Oh, I made you," you know. Let's just say I made you food to take to work, and I, I would probably say, "Oh, thanks, daddy." You know, like you uh-huh. took care of me, <laughs> like you're a little girl. But if we're in bed and he's like, say that his dick's inside me and he's pushing a butt plug into my ass, and he says you know, do you want more? Tell me if you want more. And I'll say, you can do whatever you want to me, daddy. It's like, you're in charge now. Oh, okay. You know, that's, that's my way of saying like, yeah, sure. Shove it in there. Mm. (laughs) So (laughs) role play, different kind of roles. It comes back to provider a lot. All right. That makes a lot more sense to me. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you, People that responded. I, I really learned something today. I got so much feedback from that. Yeah. I had to take that out of my, I had to remove the question because so many people responded to it like more people responded to that question than anything i've ever solicited in that way okay so i think that's really telling too sweet yeah hey friends do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us how's your skin is it dry itchy irritated bruised or sunburned if so it sounds like you need some nabom in your pocket Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram. 
Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. So welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. Thank you to everybody who follows and supports us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You can see our behind the scenes and we're going to have John on again to talk about, um, I don't know, heartbreak and shit. Yeah. (laughs) Jen and John are just (laughs) feeling all the feels this week. It's horrible. About other people. Caught feelings. I know. I I prefer to feel strongly about myself. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Which is my favorite thing. So great and empowering. That's why they call it like falling for someone. Yeah. Because that's what it feels like. Like you tripped over something and... You're about to land hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, if you want to hear more about that, peoples, go check us out. We have the after show, pre-show, all the shows on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. Did you see this article about Republicans and Democrats having different sexual fantasies? Why, yes, I do see that mm. in Politico magazine. Mm-hmm. I've asked this of myself and I... I think I've 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 asked it of others if they ever wonder if you did such a study, um, what differences you would find from people related to how they report based like on their political beliefs, how to how do people's desires interact with their political beliefs and their social attitudes? And I feel like we could do so many studies on that. Uh, but here's one. So Justin LaMiller for Politico says that he did the largest and most comprehensive survey of sexual fantasies ever conducted in the United States. He says he surveyed 4,175 adult Americans from all 50 states and he published it in a book called Tell Me What You Want. So participants were given a list of people, places, and things that might be a turn-on. And then they were asked to report how frequently they fantasized about those things. So <laughs> did you learn Did you learn anything from this or were you surprised by any of these um, results? I mean, okay, so I was, <laughs> I mean, I guess I was almost expecting something a little more extreme. But um, the, fla- yeah, I mean, the fl- we have, I guess, depending on your political leanings, have two very different sorts of uh, proclivities. I was actually really not that surprised to find out that uh, Republicans are likely to fantasize about sex outside of marriage because they're the ones that are always trying to force these traditional roles of marriage on everybody. And surprise, they're fucking hypocritical. And what they really Mm -hmm. deep down want is the variety that they're trying to deny other people. Mm -hmm. So surprise. And and when we talk about the Democrats, we can bring that up too. So he says he found that uh, self-identified Republicans were more likely to fantasize about activities outside of monogamy. So infidelity, orgies, partner swapping. Oh, and surprise, look at this. And practicing something known as cuckolding. Which involves watching one's partner have sex with someone else. Funny, the very same fucking thing that the alt-right is always calling everybody else is what (laughs) they really deeply want deep down inside. And then with self-identified Democrats, they were more likely than Republicans to fantasize about the almost entire spectrum of BDSM activities, bondage, spanking, uh, dominant submissive play, masochism. So power play Uh, and Democrats and liberals are constantly I mean, you know, we hear the term social justice warriors and people working for Mm -hmm. social social justice and the inequalities and the iniquities in people that exist. So, of course, it makes sense that it would be very taboo to have right. these some of these fantasies but again a lot of people who took place i imagine you're like feminists with rape fantasies totally yeah yeah because so. it's a taboo it's exciting you're not supposed to but you can right especially if it's just in your own head yeah so no real surprises to me here i think it reminds us how much people are still excited by things that are forbidden which is part of the reason that you and i 
I think get some of the customers that we do in the strip club. Like there's always going to be clients that are only there because they know it's something naughty, therefore right. exciting. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. <clears throat> well, as long as I continue to financially benefit from that, I'm all for it. I don't care what brings you in and what brings you to the ATM machine. Mm-hmm. Just Mm-hmm. bring it mm-hmm. I really like that this writer was I like that he did this study I like that he pointed out how uh, he says one of the cornerstones of its official platform that regularly funnels federal federal funds towards abstinence only sex education nothing makes us want to try something like being told you can't do it this is why taboos no matter what they are often become turn-ons mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So I guess um, if you're ever, if you're ever conflicted about something that you like, don't worry, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a lot of Republicans and Democrats might be too. That's also the the problem too is like people come in with all their guilt and their shame, like, but they're no different than most other people having guilt and shame around this stuff that is like very natural, but we've been raised to you know not not feel right and often kind of a turn on for some reason i saw a girl giving a dance that was not (laughs) hopefully she doesn't work at my club very long but she was doing she was rubbing her bear pussy against a customer's bear pussy wait what excuse me right whoa well you know how when you know how when female customers come in and they're not wearing underwear right and you kind of your club is so not that kind of club exactly right Mm. and i saw this the other night and i said I walked past and I said, hey, chill out. People can see you. But really, like, don't fucking do that in general. Because she's new. And also, I'm like, wow, you bareback with strangers at work? Damn. <laughs> right? So, um, but but I also, like, when I saw what was happening, I was like, God, number one, that's really sexy. And I hate that I'm aroused by this. Number two, <laughs> this is not allowed where I work. And I'm going to say something. <laughs> it was very erotic. It was very conflicted. But, like god that's such a like cat oh it's like a catholic school thing i know i want to tell on you i know i want to be the hall monitor and tell on you i don't want to tell on her i'm just... tripping with this other girl in the bathroom jesus sister Christ. Teresa is right outside she could catch you at any moment and then she'll have to spank you <laughs> you know <laughs> sorry well, and there was like 10 10 frat guys there clutching their beers that could see this and i was like great now what do they think is like par for the course here pull your pants down time to scissor <laughs> can you imagine uh, all right well with that uh <gasps> what i think i just uh i think i might have just gotten hold on this will get- be a big fucking deal um fuck i think i just got offered a fucking death penalty case dude <gasps> oh my god <laughs> holy shit <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, sorry. Sorry. It's okay. Let's keep that in. Everybody. All right. Jen's oh gonna... my god. Huge crew. Sorry. Ah! <laughs> All right. Check us out on strangebedfellowspdx.com. Check out our affiliates and go to Patreon. And uh, Jen's going to go do a happy dance now. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for enjoying our shorter episode. And please stay tuned to get an idea of what you'll hear by subscribing to our patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. We have bonus clips and pre-show recordings with John, our editor, the occasional selfie of Jen, so you get to see her face, and even those sexy photos that I'm too afraid to post on Instagram. Join us for just $1 on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. I want to hear about your gay dating adventures. My gay dating adventures. Not at this moment because we don't have time. Okay. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I was going to be like, we're going to have to rack <laughs> rack up some some of John's brains and see if there's anything left in there of like <laughs> my memories. <laughs> well, now you have this wonderful doggo. I know. He's he's Did bringing he me play? out of the out of the funk. Um, but yeah. So no, cute. we can definitely talk about that sometime because I've had some some interesting experiences Mm-hmm. especially around like uh and the discussion that I'd, i i put a post on our instagram but i didn't relate it to the situation specifically where i slept with a guy and about halfway through i was thinking how nice would it be if i was able to just say right now can we just stop and lay like lay next to each other mm. but i couldn't 
because I felt like it would be taken the wrong way because mm-hmm. we hadn't established enough communication beforehand to create that space. Um, but I definitely think that's a huge topic to explore is like communication during sex and wanting to to not necessarily even stop, but sometimes put, put, like hit the pause button and have a little bit of a removal from sex. And you're kind of just next to each other and enjoying each other's presence and then like going back to what you were doing before. And I think that takes probably it's probably people who are older than me who have reached that point and that level. But I think that a lot of younger people don't know how to have any sort of communication around, around sex That too. And I think a lot of people really struggle with, um, with just the idea that you can have sex and not orgasm and that cannot yeah. even be the point. I mean, I think yeah. that's like a continuous problem for a lot of people is like, yeah. mm-hmm. is fucking without any kind of end goal. Um, I listened to a woman say recently and she was detailing, her history and her partner sounds like a real selfish piece of crap and she says you know I don't come every time we have sex but I would like to more and I in my heart don't believe that she ever has orgasm with this person yeah but I think she's too embarrassed because a lot of us don't want to admit that oh totally there's a huge amount of stigma and shame around not coming when you're having sex like to me even like in in the gay like male male and male relationships like it, I think there's still that dynamic is like, okay, like one person came, the other didn't. So it's now you're either in a position where you have to like push past that energy where you're like, wow, I just came and I'm tired and I don't want to take care of this other person. But you've kind of established that like you're both going to do something. And I don't know how to explain it, but like it gets frustrating when people don't communicate properly and then you don't get what you want. And I think that that's a huge problem around sex is like, people just not I, I I seriously think everyone should be handed a checklist kind of like Elle showed me those <laughs> like BDSM checklists where you like check everything off and it's like imagine if people did that how radically the world would change in terms mm-hmm. of discussions about sex like it would no longer be this obscure like oh like sex is like this like funny obscure thing that like it's different every single time and of course it is different every single time but like to, to have it so obscure and not talked about in society that it becomes mysterious to the point of being damaging. Um, I think that there needs to be a lot more light shed on people's like uh, people's communication during sex. And, mm-hmm. and that's an exciting space to, to explore because now we're in a space where people are less judgmental about sex mm-hmm. than well, they were 10 years ago. What's happening as a result of the Me Too and the Kavanaugh and the the phrase regrettable sex which yeah. is a great phrase by the way mm-hmm. regrettable regrettable sex, sex yeah because i've had it, so much of that i've had a lot of that too and sometimes people do tend to frame it um as a victimization when it's not and mm-hmm. i see this happen when they have like multiple victimizations throughout their life and they'll maybe focus on this one because this is the easiest one to focus their energy on yeah um and they'll say to this person like you raped me and the person's like oh my god you never told me you didn't like what was happening yeah so how do i know to stop so there's there's people particularly women that i talk with and probably surely men and people of all genders like oh, what I've you totally just said, been John, in, in that like, position right yeah. where they're like i'm just not going to tell the person i don't like this but yeah. i but i hate what's happening and i'm going to internalize it oh absolutely no i had a i had a guy who i was making out with and i thought it was a hundred percent just going to be making out because i wasn't even expecting to make out mm. we, we were just hanging out on my couch uh, and then he kind of just starts pulling down my pants and I was hard, but like he started blowing me and I was like about a minute into it, I realized that I had disassociated from the situation and I was kind of just like going with it. Mm-hmm. And then he he noticed that I stopped moving completely and he was like, hey, are you okay? Like, do you want me to stop? And I was just like, no, you can keep going. But I said that out of anxiety, right, out of the anxiety right. of does it become a confrontational situation if suddenly I say, no, I don't want this. And then this other person who I know has a lot of anxiety and a lot of OCD issues where like they might start to like thought spiral or feel See, guilty. Feel rejection. Or feel rejection. And I don't want someone to feel that. So you put yourself in this position where it's like, I'm just going to go through with this and it's going to be fine. And like, I don't want this person's feelings to get hurt. So I'm going to just like kind of let it happen. And it, it made me think of the Stormy Daniels quote when she was talking about having sex with Donald Trump. And how when someone asked her, did you feel violated? She said, no, I didn't feel violated. It was consensual. um, And I kind of just got through it. Mm -hmm. And she kind of talked about that. She kind of talked about the fact of just getting through it, of like just 
she it was what it was i'm imagining that it was a short-lived experience i hope for her hoping god i don't i don't even want to know what that like was like for her but anyway bless her heart oh like according to like all of his ex-wives he's like the most abusive person and i imagine that he's probably a different persona when he's around like sex workers i'm sure he's worse yeah imagine i mean we see how he is in public what's he like in private i'm sure he's worse and he tried to to pay pay her like take it yeah i think the only reason she probably couldn't admit that she had taken any money is like because then it would be i don't know i feel like i feel like she was trying to build some kind of integrity where she's like i did this exchange and it wasn't because of money but like i'm hoping she actually took money for it i i I was hoping that she was doing the long con which was like kind of you know sleeping with him establishing a relationship where he might become her sugar daddy like that's what i thought she was doing or like invest in one of her companies exactly or something, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. there was rumor that she had per- perhaps made this connection um so that she could be featured on his apprentice show which was new at the time oh yeah and then it was determined that there's no way whatever uh, channel you know hosted that was going to have like a yeah. porn star on so mm-hmm. there it was a hard pass yeah. and there was theory that because he had maybe agreed to yeah i'll let you come on the show if you sleep with me and they didn't go through with his promise that she had you know held that as a resentment for a while especially yeah. if he didn't i would pay her. fucking hold out as a resentment <laughs> especially yeah. if he offered to pay her and then she said no thinking she'd get this like tv deal yeah. but i don't know that any of that is true but that was a theory yeah hmm. so that i mean i'm sure that he's used his positions um <laughs> with like tv companies and i mean not we yeah, can right. we don't mean to have to get started on the fact that he like has those modeling agencies where he just walks right. into dressing rooms and like just of young whatever. girls too like the contestants who were like 14 15 years old yeah. and he's like he bragged to like people about it he's like i can just walk right in there and walk right out and like yeah and it's just like it's so disgusting to have a man with that much power be that much also have that much toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and uh and seeing how that expresses itself and so we all agree he's bad in bed for sure oh, more God. than regrettable sex yeah he seems very violent but no i agree there's a really good um there's a really good search in a lot of people right now to find the tools in well if i don't want to have regrettable sex anymore now that i know there's a word for it mm-hmm. or i want to prevent regrettable sex from escalating into a confrontation that is a sexual assault yeah how do i start asking for things and i've had and i just wrote a piece for romper and i don't know what title it'll come out under but it's actually i don't like that how to ask for it when you haven't before especially after postpartum mm-hmm. um the idea is a lot of people's sexuality changes quite a bit after they give birth for me that was true a lot of people that's true so my editor had asked for a piece on how can we get postpartum people to feel comfortable asking for things that will help them orgasm or feel pleasure especially if they were faking it before and so i'm like all right i got you but how do we expand that and give these practices to every single person who needs help asking for it yeah um and definitely a big part of that was like you have to learn how to label your parts without shame anus penis testicles vulva vagina like yeah so because and like like that's a thing we can instill from early childhood um you can practice phrases like how about you blank blank instead yeah you know it took me four years of having sex with this one person who i really liked and had a good time with but he would always pull my ass cheeks apart when he was fucking me like whether or not i had to shit or fart before i sure (laughs) did (laughs) oh my god but i never told him because i didn't know what to say i could have i could have honestly just tapped his hand and said can you do this instead and like shove my butt cheeks together because that actually feels way better to me most of the time plus you're getting more like friction yeah there's more pressure too when you when you shove them together yeah it took me four years i think when they do that though it's because they want to look deep inside your asshole (laughs) i mean no i'm serious though i think that's like the He's that's really also like possible <laughs> that's when you shift positions let me gaze or into like, your you eye know. but like so many people <laughs> sorry oh my god your third eye <laughs> your other. the eye of soren sees all oh my god my I, other uh, brown eye but yeah but how many of us <laughs> are just afraid because we jump to i don't like that and then we disassociate or just try to get through it instead yeah. of just saying 
can you do this instead? How about instead of pulling my butt cheeks apart, you turn into Ryan Gosling instead? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, with that. <laughs> pay my phone bill while you're at it. Thank you. Uh, oh, God. All right. Thanks for doing the after show, everyone. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Where's um, people check out your Instagram? Metric.cafe. Metric.cafe is me on Instagram. Cool. For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind the scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. And my name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com.